You're listening to the On the NBA Beat podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant to shot. LeBron James with no regard for human life. Jordan. And now, your hosts, Lauren Lee Chen and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Hey you, this is Joshua Jonah Fishman. This week's interview show is all about the Thunder, who are fresh off the trouncing of the Wizards and looking to bring Oklahoma City its first NBA title. Our insightful and entertaining guest this time is Chuck Chaney, creator of ThunderObsessed.com, an independent site he established four and a half years ago. He's a Titanic fan of the movie, Titanic. So gigantic that he claims to have seen it more than 40 times over the past three months. Now that's a busy off-season. Thanks for joining us, Chuck. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on. So Kevin Durant left Tuesday's game with a hamstring injury. What's the latest? He said he could walk. He was sore. He's supposed to have an MRI tomorrow afternoon to really get the severity of his injury. From what I gathered texting some people that were there in the Thunder medical staff, it seems to be precautionary why they took him out. They don't expect him to see any long-term outs. They don't actually expect him to miss any games, but that's before the MRI, but it's an assumption at this point. Definitely good news so far. Sticking with Durant, the Thunder just played an away game in Washington, D.C., where he was born and raised. Of course, Wizards fans have a lot of fun with the KD to D.C. rumors. How worried, if at all, is the OKC fan base about their superstars' impending free agency? People here, and I'm going to get destroyed on social media when they listen to this, there's a bit of little brother mentality sometimes with Thunder fans. It kind of goes back to the whole Sonics Oklahoma City thing they're so defensive about everything Thunder wise and it goes back to KD too they don't think he's going to leave because he's done all the stuff here he's a restaurant here he has a house here they don't understand basketball players get up and move because they want to so I'm pretty confident just on the financial part of it all but people are just confident with no sense of what's going on but most people are really defensive if it's brought up. They get really mad. Like Some of my timeline tonight was just atrocious on how they were handling the Wizards uh, KD 2DC thing. Would you say there's a sense of urgency for the Thunder to make the finals or win the championship now with Durant's free agency coming up? And how realistic would you say those expectations are for a team that didn't even make the playoffs last season and that has a new coach? Well, I, I would say... I don't know about the urgency. I think it's always there. When the Thunder reached there in, in 2012, I think that became the goal. And it was a failure of a season if you didn't meet it. Even without Harden, when talking Oklahoma City, it goes back to James Harden almost every other topic. But you have to look what they've done without him and how they are. They're, they're still the top, one of the top teams in the Western Conference. It's almost as if people forgot about Kevin Durant. A lot of people picked Oklahoma City to be 5th, 6th, some people's 7th or 8th in the Western Conference. But Oklahoma City has been top 3 in the last, or top 2 in the last 4 years uh, when everybody's healthy. And fun fact for you, Oklahoma City has not lost a playoff series when healthy since the 2012 NBA Finals. Every year they've lost, it's been because of an, there has been some sort of major injury. You had Russ, you had Katie, or you had Russ, you, you had Abaka's injuries, and then I think Abaka was injured again. So 
every year there's an injury. And I think the Thunder are going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be your top tier because of Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. I think us four of us could put our mind together and coach this team to 50 wins. <laughs> so it's there's talent there. It's just how Donovan is assimilating that talent. He said he doesn't want to change too much. A lot of it's the language. A lot of it's emotions. If you're watching how they're playing, there's a lot more space. Russ is able to really just penetrate that lane because they just don't have a body just standing there like a dud, like Perkins was. And players are coming along. Most people don't realize Andre Roberson is shooting 41% from three-point range right now. That's crazy uh, for him. Wow. It's it's confidence thing. He was calling for the ball. He was clapping for it. Russ passed him up over twice tonight. But he is that's, that's the young kid earning his stripes with Russ. As he develops, I think he's going to develop into a decent player. But it's just that time. And if these players, as the season goes along, they're going to develop. And the Thunder are going to get scary. Look what they did to San Antonio in the opening night. I know it's the first game. But the way they come out and the way they attacked, yeah. I think that's something we can really hang our hat on as a pinnacle of where the Thunder could be. Hey, Chuck, it's Lauren. So you touched on this a little bit, but the Thunder have a new head coach this season in Billy Donovan, longtime head coach at Florida. Can you tell us a little bit about his coaching style and how he differs from Scott Brooks, both off and on the court? Well, off off the court immediately, he's got a personality. I don't know if you guys covering games, you've ever talked to Scott Brooks? It's like talking to a wall and the paint's drying. He's very <laughs> monotone. He's, as we call it, thunder speak. It's almost as if Sam Presti had his hand up the backside talking for him. Donovan's got that personality. He'll joke with you. He'll give it back. To, he'll give. He'll take. And that's something that's refreshing here in Oklahoma City. We're not used to that. In all the years we had, even P.J. Carlismo was like that. He he hated being here. So he was very dry pan. And so you never really got too much from him. Donovan, in that sense, I love it. I love talking to Billy because of that. It's it's not so like, oh, God, we got to talk to Scott Brooks. He's just going to repeat defense over 40 times. There was a running gag after games if Scott Brooks wasn't the first – if he didn't mention defense in the first sentence, Darnell Mayberry was buying drinks. So – but he never had a buy because Scott every single time mentioned defense. <laughs> On the court, it's they're very similar, but Donovan really emphasizes that extra pass, and we're seeing it this year right now. The Thunder are averaging 24 assists a game. They had 27 tonight on 44 shots, made shots. They're averaging 24 a game, which is four more than they've ever averaged this season. The year they went to the finals, they averaged 18. So they're, and it's really showing in the way Russ is really commanding it right now. He is the best player on this team because of Billy Donovan right now. When Brooks was the head coach, a main criticism of him was how he handled the late game situations. And obviously you've watched more Thunder games than we have and followed more closely, but some people have been saying that there are some similar issues earlier on this season under Donovan. How much control does a head coach like Billy Donovan or Scott Brooks have over that crunch time situations, it seems like the Thunder go more into ISO play and less ball movement. Is that just a, is that a coaching issue or a more of a personnel issue with the Thunder? I would say it's a bad habit to break. Going back to the way said, the Thunder closed out San Antonio, there was a lot more movement. There was a lot more options. Mm-hmm. What they did because they they found waiters twice in the post. I mean, you're not going to find that typically, but it's because they were moving the ball around the perimeter and they swung around the baseline and they come back to him. And there's waiters who had posted up Tony Parker with five fouls. So that was a good 
idea of what Donovan wanted. He was very proud of those final three minutes of the game. He loved the way the, the ball moved. He loved the way the players moved. They weren't selfish. However, we watched against Houston. We watched against Toronto. We watched against Chicago. All three of those losses, they kind of reverted back to Scotty ball, as I'm going to call it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of ISO balls. It's like, hey, let's clear out. Let them go to work instead of trusting teammates. And Durant said afterwards, he needs to learn when to take charge. He needs to learn when to be a passive, be passive, and he needs to learn when he needs to take over. And that's kind of learning a whole new system. You mentioned the fact that any of us three could even probably coach a team with Durant and Westbrook to 50 wins. Does that give Coach Donovan an easier situation to succeed in, or does it put more pressure on him because of the expectations of that? A little bit of both. Um, I think as his final year, he talked about there was a little monotony going into the whole recruiting process, and he was getting tired of it. And so coming into a situation where he can focus on basketball 24-7, he's not worried about kids going to class. In that sense, just having the superstars in there, that's a, it's a load off his back. He's not having to sit there and go out and get talent. That's Sam Presti's job. His job is just to focus on basketball. But on the flip of the coin, you have two superstars. There's zero reason why you shouldn't be one of the top teams in the West. And so when they struggle, it looks bad upon him because even Scott Brooks won 60 games with these guys. Scott Brooks won 60 games playing Kendrick Perkins 25 minutes a game. So it's it's kind of a yes and yes on both of those, just different situations. So hopefully Durant doesn't miss time as it seems like you won't. But I'm curious about Durant and Westbrook on the court together. Obviously, they're so dominant by themselves and together. Their plus minus, I think, is is over 11 after the mm-hmm. win over the Wizards. Do you think there's a need to stagger their minutes more? And mm. how is it different how the new head coach, Billy Donovan, has been ha- handling staggering versus what Brooks did? He has been staggering them early on. He did it tonight, I believe, and he did it last time against, uh, I think it was Phoenix. But he has been staggering them a little bit. I think it's like a minute here, a minute there. And I, I'm not for the stagger. It didn't work with them. I guess maybe it's because it was under Scotty Ball. It didn't work. The Thunder didn't have, I guess, maybe the necessary weapons to really fend off the the opponent. But it didn't work very well. I think last, last year the Thunder were like negative like eight points when they were staggered. But when they're on, for some reason, when they're on and off together, it seems to work. But this season, I'm kind of taking the approach on like the staggering and seeing how they're playing as like, well, ask me again in two weeks because I feel like it's an extended training camp right now. The losses are to be expected. The issues with the rotations are going to be expected. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the stagger. I like to see them both on the court. I think that's when they're the most dominant. And um, I think it adds, it gives players trust when you're like well KD and Russ aren't here it's my job and that's why I think Deion Waiters has been playing decent because he understands my time to shine that's what he wants yeah you said they're definitely still getting a feel for each other it is kind of like extended training camp but one thing that Westbrook has been on the money is facilitating we know he can score we know he's a great passer but um, does he always have the intent to pass and so far this season he's been racking up those assists also committing a ton of turnovers, but that's not out of the ordinary for him. Is it just that same old thing with Westbrook? You just have to take the good with the bad and just hope that the good outweighs the bad, and, and so far it has? 
Yeah, I think with Westbrook, when the turnovers, his usage is so high, turnovers are going to happen. Now, if you lower it, I think he's like something like ten percent higher than Steph Curry. Without actually going to double check that, but um, it, he's much higher than Curry, and Curry's not doing very much. I think he one turn one or two turnovers a game, but. He said last year he would go back and watch film and he would watch the faces of his teammates when the way he reacted and the way when he went past or when he would pass or he would be a ball hog is his words would say. So he went back and he did the film study on just that and he realized to be a leader, he was going to have to facilitate a little bit more trust his teammates and he didn't have to do it all. And we watched last year when he went on that mammoth three-month run and he was averaging a triple-double, basically, for three months. Oscar Robertson numbers. But he was trusting his teammates, even without Kevin there. And I think it's just a growth of a player that we've seen from Russell, something I honestly never thought we would. I thought he was going to be just the shoot-first point guard, never going to have high assist numbers. I was fully just bought in on that because I still loved him anyway. So, But I think he's grown as a player, and I think that's why he's become so dominant. Yeah. You talked about Dion Waiters feeling like it's his time to shine. He had a big game Tuesday night. Is the only reason he doesn't start because um, Roberson gives him more on the defensive end? And how important has Dion Waiters been so far this season? I, I fully believe Roberson, does, uh, Roberson starts because Sam Presti says so. I don't believe it's a Scott Brooks thing. I don't believe it's a Billy Donovan thing. I believe it's because Sam Presti chooses it. And there is a lot of feel in the media here that feel the same way here in Oklahoma City is that Sam Presti has a hand in who starts. There's a reason why Steven Adams starts and not Enos Cantor. So unless they were actually to come out and say otherwise, I would put my entire paycheck on the fact that Sam Presti has something to do with it. But I think Waiters is also a contract year for him. I think that he realizes he's going to have to perform if he wants to get paid, especially since the Thunder didn't decide to extend him, and now he's going to be a restricted free agent. And with the new TV contract coming up, he's going to have to perform really well if he's going to make that extra big bucks. I also feel like he's bought into what Billy Donovan's selling. Billy Donovan's given him kind of free reign to run the second-team offense. Yes, DJ Augustine out there, but outside of DJ, it's Waiters. And I think he's really just – that's what he's kind of wanted. He thought he was good as Kyrie Irving, and now he's out there running his own show with the second team and no arguments. And so I think that's what he likes, and that's why he's doing so well. You just mentioned Ennis Cantor, how he could easily start on this team, and maybe he should. What's his role been like this year? I know in the offseason – it was really important to the um, franchise to, to keep him around. They matched a big offer on him. What's his role now, and how's he been doing? I think his role is to just play well as a second team. He he kind of compliments Dion on the scoring because it forces him to kind of play man-to-man a little bit more instead of cheat off. They allow him to do that. And Enos, for some reason, he is like a ballerina on offense. But on defense, he looks like a newborn giraffe learning to walk. And so that's got to be our title for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) We need to incorporate that. There you go. But it's so true. For somebody that has such great footwork on offense, where is it on defense? It's like me learning how to roller skate. (laughs) It's not not pretty. It's not at all. I don't know. I think what they've done is really just really complemented his talents to the role. I, I do feel he's gotten a little bit better since everybody's healthy. That's helped. I think that something his 
trying to think of what the stat was. The Thunder, like, plus nine with him on the court and, like, negative two with him off. So that really is something we missed last year with him, with everybody healthy. We never really got to see that with like Kevin and Russ and Serge. Because right. he only played like 12 games with Serge and Serge got hurt. Yeah. So we, we're really finally getting to see how this team works well together. Speaking of Serge Ibaka, last season he shot about 38% on 3.2 attempts per game from three. But so far this season, seems like he hasn't gone to it as much, although he did go three for three from three tonight against Washington. He's taking a lot more long twos. Is that a conscious decision by him, the coaching staff? And if so, what's the reasoning behind that? Well, Abaka said the other day at practice, he asked asked him about it, and he said it's more just letting the game come to him. Last night, he caught the ball off off coming off screens and he was wide open for two of the three shots and that a lot that's something he's not forcing and last year he would just kind of spot up like he was anthony morrow and just spot up and take attempts i think 42 percent of his three-point attempts were contested last year and which is really high about amount to be contested but with the thunder offense last year it makes sense so he's just said, I'm letting it come to him. If they happen, they happen. If they don't, they don't. And tonight, they really just created shots for him around that because no one could guard him, especially with Nene out. They, he was just left to do whatever he wanted, and he did. Anthony Morrow is one guy who's been getting fewer minutes, and he really does make an impact when he's hitting his threes and spreading the floor. Do you have any background as to why so far Billy Donovan hasn't really been playing him that much? I wrote about this the other day on ThunderObsessed.com. I think it's really more of an experiment with trying things. Donovan says it's matchups. He said, like, Phoenix played a lot of small ball, and Morrow couldn't cap up with all the guards. So, And he didn't need the offense because they scored 124 points. I just don't know what Kyle Singler gives you that Anthony Morrow cannot. Kyle Singler's shooting a 15.8% from the field this year before tonight's game. That's what he was shooting as field goal percentage. Cool. I could probably do that in an NBA game and play the same amount of defense and not look like I was in O-Town, the boy band. <laughs> so Moro, I don't know. He's just, he just he does this. He falls out of favor with coaches. It happened in Chicago. It happened in New Orleans. It happened in Dallas. Like When he got traded to Dallas, he, I think he had some like 17 inactives. It's just something, unfortunately, that happens with him because he is such a specialist. He doesn't do anything else really well. Like He's a really good three-point shooter, but what else does he do? He, he doesn't create shots for himself. He doesn't move. He kind of posts up in the corner and just hangs out. Do you think it's so. particularly his style of play, or could it be something off the court or behind the scenes, potentially? I think it's just a style of play. I think he doesn't mesh well with Donovan. But I think it's more of just an experiment. Donovan's filling out the rotations. I think the Thunder has something already like 114 different rotations they've tried, which is second most in the league, I think, behind like the Lakers. The thing is, though, you have to just, I say, take a step back. Like I said, it's it's this extended training camp. He's learning his players. He spent a month with them, and then he's... That's the only feel he got from him. And so if Morrow's not playing in February, that's when you should be really worried about what Morrow's doing. Right. Now I think it's okay because I don't think Kyle Singler's going to be that three-point shooter that you want him to. He was in Detroit because it's Detroit and nobody really cared because they weren't very good when he was there. Now they're like, okay, he's coming in for Kevin Durant, so they're going to put a really good defender on him because 
who else are they going? Who else is going to guard? Do they want to guard DJ Augustine? Now yeah, you guard your point guard, but he's coming as a wing. He's not tall enough or fast enough to get around most wing defenders. I can't imagine Kawhi Leonard guarding Kyle Singler. That's like Kyle Singler getting murdered. Yes, Kyle Singler and Kendrick Perkins not having great podcasts today, but uh, Perkins, I I was a big fan of Perk. I loved him. I mean, I'm not surprised. It it makes it's fair for the most part. He was just such. There's something different about what Singler and Perkins. Perkins was such a locker room guy, and he talked about it. And from the stuff I heard, like Harden would call Perkins Perkins at two in the morning because he was upset he didn't get enough touches. And, you know, Perk would talk him off the cliff. And then sometimes Russ would call him, and he would do the same. So you get those young minds, and Perkins was perfect for that. I think that's why he's going to be really – he's a good fit for New Orleans, too. I think it's going to help with, like, Anthony Davis there. Yeah. So you made a really good case over the course of the interview for why the Thunder are or could be an elite team. And it definitely is early. They still have some kinks to work out and a brand-new head coach. I think that they'll be there toward the end of the season. I think my co-host would agree. But if you're just making a list of basically the main things they need to get figured out before that point and that they need to get handled, what do you think the most important things are that that team needs to focus on to be one of the last ones standing at the end of the season? you got to improve on defense. They've allowed seven of eight teams to score over 100 points. While you're averaging 115 points a game, that's nice. However, come the playoffs, when the games slow down, giving up 100 points is going to be huge. You give up 100 points to Golden State, that's might as well just give it up 130. Because they scored 30 points more than everybody else. You have to learn that. You have to improve on that. They're not running shoes off the three-point line. They did tonight. 17 of the 24 three-pointers that Washington took were contested. However, against Chicago, they only contested two of them. And so it goes back to fundamentals. I think it's learning the defensive scheme that Donovan wants. It worked a little bit tonight. However, most nights, they kind of revert back to the old school stuff, and they're, they're lazy. But it's a work in progress. I'm not sold on them winning the whole thing. I, I'm really not. I haven't seen a. I haven't seen that defensive mentality that had them top ten when they were healthy. And I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's the scheme or what. But like I said, ask me in two weeks if I feel the same way. But I'm scared about the defense. I, it worries yeah. me. I don't think there's a lot of try there. I guess it's better to say. I feel like it's just let's trust our offense because we can score a thousand points. I don't know. I I, a, I think they could be there. I just don't know if they can win it. That's a fair point. And before I let you go, what do you think of Steven Adams' hair? Are, are you digging it so far? I, I dig it. I dig it. Seeing it at Media Day was pretty impressive. He got to touch it. Oh, he got to touch the hair. I was like, I was like can I can I touch it? He goes, yeah, yeah, man. He goes, mate, go ahead. And I was like, all right. I touched it. And he's like, he goes, that was kind of weird. I was like, I know. I, should, I was like, I just had to touch it. <laughs> he goes, what did it feel like? I was like, like a horse? <laughs> I was like, it's like a mane. It was soft. He goes, all right, that's what I was going for. <laughs> did you get any residual superpowers or anything? No, a little sarcastic than usual. Yeah. Adams is a great quote. I mean, he might not be the smartest person on the Thunder when it comes to like basketball terminology and stuff like that, but you know what? He's always good for a quote, always has something to say. Yeah. I think the only time I've heard him not really be talkative, when someone asked me if what it was like to be the, the least popular uh, person in his family. <laughs> because if you didn't know, his sister's the most popular athlete in New Zealand because she won like three gold medals in the Olympics for shot put. I think I I had heard that. Yeah. I didn't remember. Like, he's like the little brother compared to them over there. It's like, oh yeah, Adams is great, but no, no, his sister. That's yeah. that's a superstar. 
It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot, Chuck. It was really enjoyable hearing from you. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me on. So we went back to the Western Conference with Chuck Cheney of ThunderObsessed.com to talk all about the Oklahoma City Thunder. From my co-hosts Lauren and Joshua, we'll be back with more Thunder Talk later in the week. Thanks for listening.